It's the righteous vigilante Jamon Creek, and you're tuning in to Minds Wide Open. Hey, yo, check it out. This is mainstream, never mainstream. You're tuning in to Minds Wide Open Media. Shout out to the Florida Vibe Directory. You are now listening to the best playlist in South Florida. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Florida Vibe Directory. On this episode, we got Otto in the building. Thank you, man. Appreciate it being of, here. Of course, of course, man. So, you know, one big reason I wanted to bring you in is because I understand that you have been in the service industry for quite some time. I have. Leading into your current position where you're working at Space Miami or for Space uh, as a uh, manager. Correct. Tell me a little bit more about that, man. Like, how did that all begin, you know? Uh, so it started off with a buddy of mine named Lucas. Um, he's a promoter at Space, and um, we were kind of spearfishing one day, and I got some random inspiration to buy a sailboat. It was just super random. So I told him, <laughs> hey, listen, you guys are hiring by any chance. I'm trying to find some extra income. So I went to Space Park, and I spoke to our lovely uh, manager, Jackie, to get a position. Um, and I actually ended up working as a barback to begin with. So Okay. It's kind of like a, a little climb that I did. I, I worked, started with three points. Uh, three points was uh, an experience, man. Um, I'm not sure if you were there, but the first day of free three points, straight rainstorm. I know, rainstorm. man. Absolutely crazy. And um, that was technically my, I would say, my third experience as a barback. Very limited, but uh, it was kind of a eye opener for me in the sense of like what barbacks go through on a day to day when it comes to pre event, post event, you know, during the event. Um, and I think within that time of me working at three points, I started just being myself. I've worked with, uh, other companies as a manager and as a, me being a natural, I guess, team player, yeah. I started kind of micromanaging the managers. <laughs> uh, I was trying to just ask, you know, Hey, listen, how we do this just to get information so that I could kind of pick up some responsibility, um, myself. And then I guess little by little throughout the events, I guess they, they started seeing my worth. And, uh, you know, by the next event, I think uh, Hocus, Pocus, Hocus Pocus came around. Um, I was given a little bit more responsibility, and then I, I showed my worth by then and then got promoted to uh, manager. So That's incredible, man. Thank you, man. That just shows, like, if you put your best foot forward and you actually take as much responsibility as you can, you know, people are going to see your worth so quickly. Yes. And they're going to be like, wow, this guy's actually giving a fuck and trying <laughs> like it yeah, goes man. a long way i feel like with the hospitality business especially in miami in particular there's like a disconnect where you know a lot of you know employees just feel like their their provider whether it's a club or a restaurant like we feel very um disposable you I know see. and what i really appreciated by uh, appreciated with a space is that it's the complete opposite you know they really try to make you realize you're super valuable your family you know, and that to me was something that caught my attention to begin with. Uh, within my interview, I told them the one thing I only need if I work with you guys is a good work environment. I want to feel as if I'm when I go to work, I'm not working. I'm like with a group of friends. So after experience three points, I'm like, this is exactly the space that I want to be in because it's all about, you know, the environment. I feel like I thrive more once my environment is compared compar comparable to my inner context. I see. So that was definitely of breath of fresh air when i actually found the company that did against the norms in miami you know not not discarding us as like dispensable 
That's amazing to hear because uh, usually when you think clubs, which for our audience out there, if you don't know, Space Miami is one of the largest clubs in Miami, uh, open just about 24-7, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> uh, one of the very few clubs here in South Florida that are, are allowed to, to be open till 12 p.m., 4 p.m. the next day. Insane. So, yeah, very crazy. Um, but they have created this environment that I am truly appreciative of that is unlike any other. They know how to create an experience out of music. And I, I, I can really take that in. And hearing this from you, that they create more like a family environment, I, it... It fits the brand. It fits the bill, you know? It does, it does. And I'm happy to hear that. It's incredible. Yeah, man. I mean, we already talk about it. We always talk about meetings. It's not about, you know, selling tickets, selling drinks. It's really about the experience. We want someone to come and actually have a moment for them to remember so that whenever they're in town, it's just a pleasant moment that they could, you know, reflect on. Not just, oh, I, I saw an artist. It's like, no, I was at space. It's an experience that you get to experience. So I see. Now, you mentioned that you worked some of like a big festival, some like Three Points. Yes. How was that? Man. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Three Points, there was, there was a lot of learning curves for me. Um, you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of uh, festivals, music festivals, camping festivals. Um, but working and being behind it really opened my eyes as to the amount of time and effort that gets put into it, you know, by the employees. You know, to be able to set up a venue, you know, in a normal space might take you a few hours, maybe a full day, but something the size of three points, you know, it's, it's weeks, you know, not only does it require you to find the talent, but you got to have all the rentals in place. You know, you, you have to expect things like the rain. So like, it's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, when I was able to work at a, at an event like three points, I think the biggest lesson I learned there was, was expect the unexpected. Like, I see. Like, I did not expect rain, so I was wearing, like, the most comfy shoes. But, like, within day one, it rained four hours straight. As a barback, you have to make sure everything's covered. You're moving everything before anything's set. So by the end of the event, like, my feet were so drenched. They were white. They were cracked. I couldn't walk. I had to take, like, an hour break before walking to my car so that I don't, like, damn, not get to my car. So that was definitely, like, all right, I got to technically prepare i bought like waterproof shoes i made sure i bought waterproof socks because i was traumatized after that <laughs> um but yeah man it was uh definitely enjoyable to be able to work within a space that i that i always go to like events listening to music is such a big part of my life um to work at one and still be able to enjoy the music was amazing seeing wu-tang clan perform seeing um uh what's the name of this the guitar the bass player that played with uh mac miller uh thundercat? thundercat man thundercat was crazy like i did not expect that performance out of him yeah seriously he literally really is, man. man that man is you see him running down his hands are not human hands i'm like no. convinced bro he has no. like alien hand or he has like two extra fingers that just <laughs> come out of nowhere bro because he's literally yeah, yeah, he's dude. shredding that bass guitar in a way I've never seen before. Yeah, man. It's unreal. So, yeah, it was it an was amazing experience, man. I, I I definitely thank, you know, David Sinopoli and um, Swan. I think also Swan was part of it, so that's David Grutman, yeah. uh, for putting together such an amazing experience for everyone, even that's for incredible. people who work it. So. so when it comes to managing an event, right, um, I can't imagine that being entirely easy because you got a lot of different groups, you a lot of different 
people depending on you. Yeah. What do you think leads to successfully managing a team in that type of environment? Damn, that's a really loaded question. But um, for me, it's just being present. I feel that's one thing that's very hard to do when you're in a high stress environment. You know, you get so caught up in the small details and make sure everything looks perfect that you don't put into consideration the people you're working with. You know, when you're more present, you're able to see things, you know, more honestly to trust your team, to be able to um, rely on what you're provided. You know, when you're a manager, you're expected to manage everything, make sure that you have everything under control. But when you do that, you're taking away the power from the people who are, in a sense, working for you, you know? So for me, the key effort has always been you know try to provide that sense of family you know to me being in hospitality for so long the the thing that i always found dreadful is going to work and feeling as if i wasn't important as if i didn't matter you know so every time i go to work even now i make sure that they matter i make sure that whatever they need is taken care of because if they're happy our guests are happy and if our guests are happy i'm doing my job you know i see I see. That's incredible. Thank you. Now, one thing when we spoke before this podcast, you told me that you've had like some steps into music. How did that kind of begin? Um, with music, I see music as a language. Um, as at a young age, I, I do believe deeply that it's something passed down by generations. My God, my grandparents on my father's side were both artists and musicians. Uh, my step grandfather, who raised me as well, on my mother's side was a musician as well. So, I feel like the moment I was handed the opportunity um, to play an instrument, it came very easy. Um, and even to this day, when people ask me how many languages I know, I know three languages: I know English, Spanish, and music. <laughs> um, and you know, being a drummer, you kind of get tired of the same sound. You know, when you practice alone, it's just very loud noises so for me when i was a drummer it was fun being in 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 ensembles and playing but i got to that that dead end where i'm like this is not enjoyable i can't go home and just practice alone i'm disturbing my neighbors you know at a young age my parents were just getting annoyed of all the banging right uh so something told me pick up a guitar and the moment i picked up a guitar that kind of expanded my my musical you know field i was able to learn more about harmonies and um you know i never took music theory but just putting myself in the space of listening i feel personally taught me the fundamentals of music theory Hmm. where i could play a song right now and grab any instrument and just tune in takes me five minutes to just find the key and then play along with it i feel that's beautiful it's definitely been definitely part of my my life growing up i was a disruptive child you know within our (laughs) our our system where if you're not following the rules we're going to isolate you and give you detention and one thing i would do is i would carry my my ipod with me and i i'm grateful for the teachers i had where they would allow me to listen to music and whenever i would tune in my music i would focus i would be disciplining myself through music and i would always get my job done you know when i wouldn't but it was much more enjoyable. Gotcha. You know? So it's definitely therapy for me. Music is a definitely a form of therapy. Um, whenever I want to feel something or get over something, I pick certain playlists. Like, for example, 20, 2021, my top six songs were all Bad Bunny. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was funny. I was talking to, uh, to um, my buddy, 
and I uh, before they came out, I'm like, I'm gonna be so disappointed. Bad Bunny's not up there, uh, because I genuinely do believe that you know people don't realize, but when a song pops into your head, yes, it is the melody, but it's always always the words that our brain sticks to. Mm. If you ever catch yourself singing a particular lyric, don't take it for just oh, it's in my head. No, there's something there that your subconscious is trying to, you know, um, associate itself with. So for me, like, it's so easy to kind of get lost. That's why sad music helps. When you listen to sad music, it kind of helps you express that sadness and get over it. Whenever you're at the gym and you need that boost, you just listen to aggressive music. Again, depends on who it is. You know? Right, right. But um, it's definitely, I feel, without music, culture would not be something nowadays, you know? Yeah, that is actually a very good point. And um, I like how you mentioned that music can transform the state that you're in, right? Yes. Like, you pick the state that you want, you go with the selected music, right? The gym, I know when I do it, I'm listening, honestly, to dubstep. That shit gets me hype. I'm just fucking throwing it back to my first times experiencing EDM and just listening to, to heavy, hardcore bass. Um, but it helps me get a pump. One thing that I've, uh, I think people have yet to really understand is how music can be very therapeutic in a vibrational sense. Right. Yes. And one thing I remember you mentioning to me is that you have been this was before the podcast, but you've been in these settings where they use music as this type of vibrational therapy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, I went to a technical school called Educating Hand School of Massage. Um, so they kind of exposed me to the holistic practices. And one of them was sound therapy. And so one of our main projects was to create a business plan that we would go forward with our practices. And for me, I wanted to find the middle ground, music and then therapy. So I had this concept of creating sound therapy while using hydrotherapy. And mm. so you have deprivation tanks and deprivation tanks are basically tubs of water with pounds of salt water, which basically make you feel like you're just suspended in the air. I wanted to add an extra oomph to that. And it was like, add frequencies. I mean, if frequencies can change the, the molecules in water, then why can't it change the ones in my body? If you add salt to it, then you're kind of, you're balancing out your, <coughs> how do you call it? pH? Not your pH, but your, okay, so not balancing. It's basically you're, you're suspended, so you hit this like middle ground of like effortless. I see. So your body's more receptive to receiving things and feeling things, right? Oh, I see. So when you add sound to that, you're able to really change things. So I made a tub. It was a metal tub, and I put speakers in it. And so I made an, uh, um, a bath of Epsom salt, and I put certain frequencies. So, for example, I think the first frequency I, I put was the sound of joy. You know, I wanted to feel what it was to be joyful. So I put in that, I put in my, my headphones, uh, my earplugs, and I went underwater, and I was down there for, I think, 30 seconds, and, like, I could feel my body vibrating. It was, it was crazy sensation. Um, <laughs> and then I went to burning, uh, Love Burn, and there was a water station. So this is the first time I actually experienced it, you know, in person, in a sense of, like, intaking it. So this guy would get a cup of water, and you have speakers, and he'll blast a frequency into it. And then you'll flavor it with like uh, essential oils or herbs. So you'll have different glasses. So instead of it being a liquor bar, it was a water bar. So you had uh, happiness, you had abundance, you have um, fulfillment. So you pour up a little bit of everything, you know, and then you drink your cup. So I, I believe in that to, an that to an extent in the sense of like if you if you really want to 
um, going to the science where you could actually create water specific for a feeling or an intention. You know, I, I believe see. in that. Do you remember what the, the frequency of joy, uh, the, like anything about it, like maybe what frequency or? or no, I mean, I pulled out like uh, the frequency wise. I don't know the frequency. I had like a I found a, a document on Google with all the different uh, emotions and then the frequency that they pertain to. Very yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's. I've done a lot of things like that. You have? Yeah. Here neither. It's pretty cool. It's. I feel like that's something people should really explore a little bit. I mean, we listen to music all the time, and we don't see, we don't think about it in the sense that if we are a wave, right, we're made of molecules, that we could disrupt our own waves. Right. I personally, when I go to music festivals, one thing that I do realize is, is my cell phone services MIA. Right. It, it's not that there's no capability. It's just there's so many waves in the air that it disrupts your cellular service. And so it disrupts your body. So I'll leave music festivals if I'm in the front and I feel like very jittery because mm -hmm. my molecules have just shifted to the frequencies that are being blasted. You know, uh, again, there's been a lot of, st I guess, examples of DJs that die from cancer. And like one thing that people speak about is, is the, the frequencies that they're around. You know, it kind of disrupts the, the chemistry within your body and it starts creating cancer cells and things of that nature. So... Um, to an extent, sound does affect us, um, and, and it's something we could use to better ourselves as well. That is super interesting um, because the sound, and it's, it's, I've seen it. Like, have you ever seen that video of sand poured on like a pan, and then you get the vibration, yeah. and it literally creates an entire new pan, like formation of sand, and it's perfectly symmetrical? There's there's divine symmetry within yes. the sound that it's giving off, so I can only imagine what something like that could do to ourselves, right? It 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 seems to add up very well, um, and one one my first experience with uh, sound therapy was I went over here to the Banyan House and they had a sound therapy session, and they had the sound bowls. Now, yes. for anyone in the audience that isn't familiar, a sound bowl is essentially a deep bowl kind of made of glass and you can rub a mallet around it and it creates a very high frequency and when you listen to this it just like balances you out like it just totally puts you in a trance man and i i think it really helps you kind of elevate this state of consciousness that you're like i can achieve this just by closing my eyes yes you know yes which i think is wild <laughs> i mean we do it with music all the time yeah you know we we unconsciously pick music based off how we're feeling you know mm -hmm. so if, if that's something that we could do with just music we listen to on a day-to-day -day basis why isn't that we don't choose to listen to certain frequencies i mean there's better waves that people put on youtube to go to sleep to you know and it works yeah so those are like examples of where frequencies are used for you know health benefits to be able to sleep get better you know focus to be able to um, be more in tune, be more present. You know, that's one thing that I, I come across a lot of people who question me like, yo, how are you? Are you so ground? Are you so present? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's just who I am as a person. But one main thing is like the things I choose to listen to, you know, the music I listen to. Is it music that is just random, like little pump, right? That type of music. <laughs> I don't get it. Like I get it's more of, if, if I think of it as an art piece, yes, it's artistic. If okay. I think about it more into like, how it makes me feel, I don't know how it makes me feel. It, it, leaves me, it leaves me confused, you know? So that to me is like, all right, am I going to choose to listen to this often? Not really, you know? So that's why I listen to blues, jazz, something that soothes me, puts me in that state of like, 
I'm here. Um, this is the the time and space for me to think about. Not in the future, not in the past. You think about the past, you become, um, you know, depressed. You think about the future, you become anxious, stressed. Right. You know. Right. And that music can help you become more present in that aspect. Yes. Huh. I like that. Um, tell me more about how you first got started in the service industry, right? Because um, I speak to a lot of my friends who are currently, let's say, even managers of musicians or even just like, I don't know, just work at a club. But it all started by the service industry in yes. some way or another. So what was your beginnings in that? My beginnings was a gift, I would say, from the universe. Um, I was in high school. It was a sophomore year. I figured I'd be independent on earn my own money, you know, disconnect from my parents. Um, and so I went to a very respected uh, restaurant called Sushi Samba. It was in uh, Miracle Mile in, in Core Gables, Florida. I see. And I applied as a busser. I'm like, all right, I have busing experience. So I went day one day training. And then that same day I saw the chef. I'm like, let me talk to you. Yo, chef, you got any position in the kitchen? Like, let me cook for you. He's like, yeah. I Again, I wanted the position I wanted was prep cook. Prep cook is the guy who just cuts everything and gets everything ready for the night. You know, that's what I was expecting as my try. So he asked me, all right, perfect. Come in, uh, you know, next week. We're going to do a tasting. A tasting is they ask for an appetizer, two main courses. One of the main course has to be fish. So I got home. I'm like, all right, sweet. What am I going to cook? You know, I'm not going to cook any Cuban food because it's like a Japanese <laughs> restaurant. So I looked up certain uh, recipes, kind of made them at home. And just out of just honestly just trusting that I can do it. I think I, I was very, very nervous. I was very like, you know, very negative of myself in the sense like oh you can't get this position you know it's uh, people who've been in culinary school for four years get this position but you know my my conscious not my subconscious my conscious was like nah dude you should do this i'm like ah, let's try it so i went there did my cooking um and he tried everything he looked at everything and keep in mind this guy has won three or four food network uh competitions so to Damn. me when i saw this guy i was like dude this is gonna be this is like Gordon Ramsay right here, man. He's going <laughs> to <laughs> shit on my food. He's going to shit on my food. So he looks at, he tests, tastes everything. He looks at it. He's like, mm, all right. He's like, well, I'm not going to give you the position. And then my brain is like, dude, I don't, I'm fine if I don't get it. I've, I've cooked in a five-star uh, restaurant, open kitchen. Like, I got the whole experience. I'm happy. And it took him a couple minutes. He's like, but I'm going to give you a line cook position. I'm like, what? So I went from wanting the bare minimum as a cook to, like, actually being on the floor. On the floor, but in the main kitchen. So, yeah, um, that was a blessing. I mean, I, I jumped right into the flames. I think my only prior experience in the kitchen was what I cooked at home. I had two parents who were both uh, immigrants, so you know th they were always uh, bringing home, you know, the, the money. Never really home as much, uh, so it kind of allowed not allowed me, but put me in a space where I gotta cook for myself on those days where they weren't there. Um, so just based off my own life experience of cooking i got this position started working uh with the chef and you know his name's david sears i remember now and he saw that i had potential so he would teach me all right this is how you cut this you know this is how you make sure that you don't overcook this and that and like me being a sponge because it was it was definitely one of my passions um i always wanted to open a restaurant so i'm like i'm gonna take everything from this guy and then after like i think three four months 
Um, he started giving me a little bit more responsibility. There's a sous chef in the kitchen, and a sous chef is like the manager of the kitchen. So you have your your chef and your sous chef. I see. Um, and so, you know, me being the line cook, there's not much responsibility that I'm given. I have to listen to the sous chef, but there was days he'll just give me a little bit just to test the water, see if I'm capable of doing it. You know, inventory, trying to come up with a dish for Miami Spice. Um, and within this process, I started like seeing what it takes to run a kitchen. I'm like, yo, this is pretty cool. You know, you're in charge of trying to get good prices for, you know, expensive cuts of meat. You're in charge of making sure that the presentation's nice, that you're able to come up with a four course meal for certain seasons. And I'm like, yo, this is pretty cool. And then I think month six, there was like a shift in the chef, right? This was after a very important event we had finished at 1 a.m. Keep in mind, I'm still going to high school, right? I'm working 40 plus hours a week. Damn. Yeah, dude. So I'd go, I had a dope homeroom teacher. He'd see me like devastated. I'd put my head down and he'd look at me. He's like, you work last night? Like, he'd write me a pass. He's like, take this all your teachers. Come back, rest for a whole day. I, I wish I remember his name, man. But um the chef is like i need you to stay and i'm like i can't he's like it's it's one i got class in the morning this shouldn't take like two hours and he's like so i'm like what do you gotta do he's like what do you gotta do more i'm like i gotta go to class he's like what do you mean class i'm like i go to high school he's like wait what you're in high school <laughs> i'm like yeah man you have my resume like you could have read this when you had the opportunity <laughs> and i think when that kind of happened in his mind he took like a step back you know in society, we tend to do this thing where we base people off of not their character, but just their age. When you don't know somebody, yeah. right? you talk to someone in their 40s, like, oh, you're old. You don't get hip, right? Or, or vice versa. So I think that conversation happened where he's like, oh, he's too young to understand this. So he started pulling back on the responsibilities. Um, but then that job after that moment lasted like three, three four more months because I, I feel like he started creating some type of like personal like feelings towards me because mm. he's like i guess he felt like oh you're not like really a mentor in this in this aspect yeah he's like he's like man i'm I'm here teaching you and like you're not even going to be able to like apply it because you're in high school i thought you're going to apply and stay here long term you know so he, he pulled back started teaching another one um another chef, uh, cook and then at that point i left but that was my first experience at like getting the taste of what it is to to manage something with employees and then after there um, I think it was a year or two. I got my license in massage and I went to a company called Miami city massage and their job is to create pop-up, uh, spas for hotels that don't have spas. And that's interesting. Yeah. I was a therapist for a year. And then after that I became a spa director. So I managed like five properties. And then at that point, again, zero experience, but they just trusted in me. They're like, you seem like you're willing to do whatever it takes to make things run. Let's see how you could go. I ran with it. And that was basically the start of me going into management that then led to the position I'm at now at Space. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So you took a lot of different qualities from jobs that had nothing to do with music and then just tied it right back in. Yeah, it's a craft, you know. Like right. People tend to look at things very superficial, but at the end of the day, like the time we put into something, you know, question is why are you spending time into it? and it's something can you take on and add it to different you know facets in your life mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a one-way street you know definitely definitely now i remember you telling me that you wanted to kind of build a sense of community yes. right um 
do you see yourself incorporating um, musical components to this or maybe that sound therapy? 100%. I mean, a majority of my friends are artists. Um, I am myself a musician. I'm not an active artist. I tend to come in whenever they need uh, an extra musician, things of that nature. But, you know, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I realized that there was one common goal that we all wanted, and that was having that sense of community. You know, we were meeting our neighbors for the first time. We were spending time on wearing masks, not because we felt we needed it, but it was more being considerate of the people around us, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a sense of wanting to connect. And, you know, in Miami, the amount of bars that we could see live performers are very slim. A lot of the clubs, particularly, you have a lot of DJs, which are also local artists, but then where are the actual musicians? Uh, so for me to be able to provide a platform where people could actually tune in and just know what's within the community is something that I, I truly want to aim for and to be able to provide that to the music community is going to be like a big pillar to what I'm trying to create. You know, music I is, like if anything, made who I am today. So without it, I, I don't feel like I'm serving, you know, the, the common good. I for see. not supporting them just the way it supported me, you know. I see. Definitely. And what communities do you feel like you really want to tap into that would be receptive to this? Well, one where I see that it's dying in Miami is the jazz community. There yeah. is yeah, the only place you could find jazz would be either at Miami Dade, uh Wolfson, which is a campus, or at I think there's only one or two other jazz bars. It's like in the Miami. Black Cat or something, and and I think that closed Man, down. Yeah. So like when I found out they closed down, I was like bummed out. Like I wasn't able to go to it. And I'm again, I love live performances. If there is an orchestra perf performing, I am the first one to buy a ticket. Like I really enjoy seeing people express themselves with an instrument, right? So to not have many outlets to do that, it's kind of sad. So that is definitely one of them. But again, there's so many different. Um, genres in Miami, you know, you have a lot of rock bands, Latin bands, uh, you have some hip hop bands coming up, or you have like um, bands that are just on on drum pads, like mm. musicians that just it's kind of like FKJ, like you you are the one man band, you yeah, know, you, you are creating everything, right? Yeah, there and, and I feel like we all deserve some way of support. You know, it's the one hardest thing to do when you're a musician, especially in the upcoming phase, is like being able to get exposed you find every opportunity whether it's doing it for free or going to the corner and performing at you know winwood you know just to have time to play and just be heard you know so i hope hopefully within the year i'm, I'm going to be able to provide that opportunity and with working with space i definitely am going to try my best to provide that to them as well definitely do you feel yeah. like you're making a lot of valuable connections working for space currently I do. I mean, uh, I from all my friends, I was the last one to enter the the <laughs> hospital music hospital uh, industry. I see. Uh, so I've gotten uh, a lot of uh, praises from them. You know, they're like, "Oh, it's been a while. We've been telling you you should come." About time. <laughs> so it's just nice to be able to to be in the community, work with my friends. You know, be at events and look across and just bump into like, "Yo, what's up?" You know, how's the event? And just socialize with everybody. Um, there's a lot of great people who work in the industry that you know are, are just not seen just because they work behind you know behind the scenes but uh there's definitely a lot of opportunity you know and again it goes down with like they're willing and wanting to help as long right. as you can ask they're more than welcoming to, to give you the help i see and um this is a big reason why i felt you would be amazing to interview for this podcast is that i think a lot of people don't see the back end 
of a show. Mm-hmm. You get me? Like they see the music, they see what's going on, but they don't see the management that goes on to with the bartenders, the bar back, the the even janitorial staff. Like there's a lot of different elements that goes into yeah. making sure everything runs correctly. You know, um, so. Tell me a little bit more about Art Basel. Uh, from my understanding that you you were working that. Now, Miami is known for having these crazy <laughs> events during this time. Yeah. And it almost goes on with no sleep. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, for Art Basel, we had an event at Factory Town. as a new property that we've obtained. Um, hopefully, we're going to be able to create into a very nice venue within the next year. But we had a five-day event there at Factory Town. And normally... How it starts off is you get you find your artists, you make sure that you get a good promoting t- uh, promoting team, you get uh, lights, uh, security, um, bartenders, barbacks, rentals. There's so many things that go into this, which is why there tends to be a team of five or six people who work together to make sure that it just trickles down. You know, see, um, one of the main things after all that's done is like attire, you know, outfit. We want to make sure that there is a certain ambiance, so we'll make sure to send out. All right day one this is what you're wearing you're wearing all black you're wearing we had mad max uh theme one night so we had to like send pictures of this is how we got to look makeup uh, <laughs> you know make sure you have any type of medals on you and it's pretty cool because you see all the uh the bartenders express themselves and then the bar backs the same so it gives us you know a way to express yourselves not like you go to a, a club and everyone's just wearing black yeah you know so <laughs> to me definitely uh events compared to just like brick and mortar uh clubs it's definitely a different ambiance uh so that's the first thing then the second thing is you know we go to the location a day prior so that everyone gets situated on everything we kind of go through the steps on how we want for the barbacks how things should be set up so for barbacks their job is to make sure that everything's you know prepped and ready for the bartenders from cups to chasers to sodas to um you know little miscellaneous like napkin straws just so that it can make their job easier real the 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 reality of having a bar back is that if your bartender does not ask you once for anything you're doing your job your job right so we do a run through on how bars should be set up with events like um art basil and especially you have different events the whole property is not open the whole time. So we'll have events on this side of the property on one day and the next on the other. So there's a lot of pre-production in the sense that if there's all the bars are set up here for this event during the night and the next morning, we grab all the bars and we reset them at another spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we'll That's have a like a, a team of 10 most prob- most of the times or they're the bar backs as well, which is why they're like the most underrated um, part of an, of an, an event of, of an event, you know, um, not only are they making sure the bartenders have everything they need, but they're the ones really setting up the space, you know, right. bartenders come in and they help as much as they can, but the ones that should really know the floor plan are the barbacks. They're the ones running back and forth, grabbing eyes, grabbing, uh, more chasers, inventory left, right. Um, so that's kind of the, the pre-event setup when it comes to, how do you prepare a team to be able to go forward? And then my favorite part is having the team meeting. Team meeting is like the day of the event where you just put everything on the table. Hey guys, like this is game day, you know, have, have that sense of like, we got this, you know, because you will have fires and you're going to have to put them out and you'll have moments like I did with my manager, like my manager, we had, keep in mind, our battle was five days long. All right? right. I clocked in a total of like, 
150 hours. Holy right? shit. I was literally waking up early, getting there early, make sure everything's good, being the last one to leave just to come back a few hours later, you know? And I remember a day, it was day like day four. And like, we're just, we're just going at it in the sense of like talking about well, we're the smallest things, like <laughs> placement of the waters or something. And like, we're just eating at each other's heads. The next day we come like, yo, we good? Yeah, we good. We good. Like, right, man, love you. <laughs> so we go forward. Um, but, but that's the thing, you know, you, you have to trust your team. You got to know who you're working with. And at the end of the day, you know, like we're all there for, for one purpose and, there will be moments that we feel like whether you're a manager or a bartender, the goal at the end is just to make sure that the process is easy, you know, that everyone's happy, that everyone has what they what they need. I'd, I'd go the extra extent. I'd go buy sage and I'd sage the whole area like <laughs> through the van. Like if everything's going good, I'd bring a box of like 12 and I'll hand one out to a certain bartenders like turn this on at this time. And I was like. God, is that stage? Is that yeah, stage? Because <laughs> the vibe, you know. So it's all about ambience. the experience. Yeah, man. And uh, you know, after the events are done, you know, it's closing. So you have to make sure that everything's ready for the next day. Everything's preset. The alcohols are um, brought all back uh, to the, the the back of the warehouse. Everything's counted for. You know, we go through checkout, which is a process. Is like sometimes takes up to an hour and a half because we have so many bartenders. We want to make sure that. You know, they know what how the night went. You know, as a bartender, you make your money off of tips, so you want to know how much you made that night. So that's the process. And then at the end, once everyone's done, managers do a walk around, walk through, make sure everything's kind of set. Then we leave. Um, once it's all said and done, event overall, last day, collecting all the rentals. You know, it's basically creating a Lego set and then breaking it back down and then putting everything back in the plastic wrap. Damn. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> like that. There's so many parts to it. Um, that it's a it, really good uh, <laughs> analogy. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, where it's just, you know, it's part of the craft. Uh, it's part of the craft and it's something that I enjoy. You know, at the end of the day, I might have two days. After every event, I always have at least 24 hours of a coma. Don't talk to me. Don't call me. My phone is <laughs> off. I need to go on hibernation. I come back and then it still takes another 24 hours for me to get back to normal. So self-care is a big thing. You know, as a manager, especially you're putting in the hours, you got to make sure that you're doing what you got to do because you got to be back the next day. For me, you know, drinking Red Bull the whole night, it's not going to help. So you have to find other ways. For me, I love food. So I make sure that I, that I feed myself fuel, that I'm always hydrated, you know, so that when I do go home, I'm not wired from the coffee or from the or the Red Bull. You know, that's that's one problem with people in the industry. You know, we tend to need to be up because we're working through the night. We drink a lot of Red Bull, we become dependent on it. We we kind of overdo it because one Red Bull doesn't do it anymore. Now you do two, three. You, you know, and so you know you're drinking fucking like five energy drinks in one night. Three coladas at once. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like you don't want to be doing that. Um, so self care is is a thing that I try to share with my with my team as often as possible because if you come back the next day and you feel miserable you're not gonna be able to do your job you know true that so while hydrating eating um making sure you get enough rest and again sometimes it won't happen due to the events but if you can find time within the mayhem to like take your breaks you know ground yourself and, and just take a breather and just like not get overwhelmed with what's happening it's so easy to be in a, an event you know, and you have, oh, I have like 10 people coming up to the bar. I got to feed them. And you're just so static that by the time you're done, you're, you're still left wired. A little know? anxious. Yeah. Hella anxious, man. Hella anxious. Yeah. I think day one, day one of, of three points, 
I was the last one to leave. I was the first one there. And it wasn't because I, you know, had to be there early. It's just I couldn't go to sleep at night. I was like in my head just thinking about, did I get that done? Oh, I got that done. Okay. <laughs> I got to make sure I get there the next day. And it's like you pull up and then you, you just it's constantly moving. So you always have to try to remind yourself to like pause, ground yourself, be present, and then take the step forward. Because now you'll, you'll, you're burnt out, man. You're burnt now, out. one thing that you mentioned to me is the importance of creating that like family aspect mm-hmm. with your coworkers. You know how how do you feel you go about that? How do you spend time with your family? You know, you talk about how your day is. You express actual emotions. You you verbalize your concerns. You you know you're you have a safe space. You know, anybody, any any person wants to feel heard. And when you don't give them the space to feel heard, you create this sense of boundary between you and them, mm-hmm. you know. So my goal is always to be that friendly reminder that this is a space for you to be open. This is the space for you to feel like you are important that you get to share. You know, there's there's a lot of things that come up during events. And one of the main ones is like dealing with certain guests who are just you know whether they're too drunk or they're just you know not aware of like what's going on that they get taxed energy like energetically drained from that experience and instead of like expressing it to the event they hold it in and then the next day they come back with like the same energy of like like i don't want to upset someone or like they just feel off you know I so see. i think like the most important thing is make sure you always provide a safe space you know to not only for you like you two to community but amongst your whole team like bartenders barbacks you guys are one it's not barbacks and bartenders you know a lot you go to a lot of business uh, a lot of clubs that tends to be the case like bartenders only talk to bartenders barbacks only talk to bar uh, barbacks and they only interact whenever they need something right gotcha. so if you could kind of implement that sense of unity and the sense of like yo like we're here together like i mentioned before you are already creating that sense of family you're already making them feel like it's important and at the end of the day like as a manager you have to you have to be compassionate and be human you know mm-hmm. you're not gonna they're not gonna ask you a question and then just give them a half-ass answer because you know you just don't want them to get upset it's like no like right. i'm gonna have to tell you the reality and like if you're upset i'm here we'll talk about it you know but that's to me the most important thing making creating safe space for everyone to feel important that's amazing and um, what do you feel is next for you in the industry? Like, are, are you expecting to go beyond a manager? Like, what, you know, where do you see yourself? Hmm. I do see myself working with the the, the brand. I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to be given such an opportunity to work with them the way I am, have been working with them, and meeting the people that I've met so far. Um, it's not something I come across often, especially in this industry, to have such a supporting brand and community within a business um so if i could work my way up i will you know but for me it's all about not what i can provide but who i get to be for them as you know if i get to be my best version while with them they're gonna get everything they need and more right you know right so if if that leads to me being gm if that leads to me being a part owner then so be it (laughs) so but i i love i love like i said i love music it's been a big part of my my life so if i could stay 
with that in my life in a sense of like it's something that's feeding me financially spiritually mentally then i'm gonna go with it i'm gonna run with it you know incredible incredible i think that will make for one hell of a journey yeah. especially yeah it's been a hell of a journey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hell of a journey for sure man for sure and I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're able to encompass all these experiences you yes. know and fully experience them like or fully have them presently uh because that can be a challenge at times yes um do you find yourself encountering a lot of problematic people in these environments because most definitely yeah because you know most i've definitely. been there i've i've been a marinator in these <laughs> in these clubs and i see them you know i see these 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 characters that are aggressive or you know out of whack mm -hmm. you know what have you ever had an experience that's just been like all right i gotta recenter myself here because this is insane it happens more uh often than i would want it to happen especially at events um one day events things of that nature i see um because again you have to realize people go to events to enjoy themselves in any way that seems fit you know uh so you'll have people who are just feeling just over the top of emotion sometimes it's aggression sadness whatever it may be um i've had moments where you know you're, you're confronted with a character and the first thing you want to do is just like match it you want to be aggressive or you want to just like get them out of there in retrospect what are you creating you're just creating you know, a bad feedback loop. You're leaving them with a bad taste in their mouth. And at the end is leaving me with a bad taste in my mouth. Cause now I'm like the next time I come up with this, this is how I'm going to go about it. You know? Right. Um, so the hardest thing to do when in that space is like being able to have that person understand where you're coming from. You know, the guess is always right. However, there are moments where they're wrong and you want them to realize, Hey, listen, like I'm actually here to help you. I'm here to, make sure that you're having a great time. I don't want you to feel like I'm your enemy, but when you're already in the moment, when you're, when your eagles yelling, like I want to, I want this or I'm right. It's like, you have to kind of go through a maze to kind of get to them. So definitely I've experienced a couple characters. Um, luckily, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have, uh, my managers, you know, who've been years, like decades of experience to come in and just like, yo, like I've never seen someone turn off a fire so quick <laughs> like within 10 seconds, like something that took me a good 30 to a minute just to try to understand They, I don't know, they don't even come to understand the code. They're like, this is the solution, blah, blah, blah. All right. You, you see their ego up here to go just, all right. All right. <laughs> all right so yeah, enjoy. Bring them down from a 10 to a one. To a one like this, you know, so it happens uh the real conversation there just not allow it to affect you you gotta allow it to flow you know um it's it's very over overwhelming to be you know in a space where a lot is happening and then you have to not only worry about what's the operational aspect but then the service aspect customer service make sure that everyone's all right um, but yeah, it happens here and there. And just the best thing to do is just compassion, you know, have compassion towards them and understand that there's something either that they aren't aware of or something that they've experienced that has led them there and just understand it. They're another human having their own experience. And I'm just going to be here to try to help them find, you know, peace within the situation. I see. You know, that is pretty incredible um, because it's almost like you guys not only have to be like you said, operationally sound, customer service orientated, 
but then also like mediators <laughs> at some mm-hmm. point where you're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to have to be your therapist for like a solid five minutes here it, and no, just it, it <laughs> help it you happens. process this real quick and then calm your ass down. So, you know, I feel like that's a lot to take on your shoulders, especially. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. You'll have days where you, in the moment, you're like, this is not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But at, when you see it from big picture, it's it's humbling. It's to be like, you're able to be in that space, handle that, and still see that you're affecting not only that one individual, but everyone else within that space. You're giving everyone an experience that they get to, you know, reminisce on and, and want to be there again. So it's it all pays off. And have you ever uh, just stopped and listened to the music? Because I know they got some <laughs> crazy artists playing. Man, <laughs> I want to say the only time that I was able to do that was on my day off. Okay. <laughs> so um, there was one day that I had off during Art Basel. And don't get me wrong, you'll listen to music while you walk by from stage to stage, bar to bar. But to be able to be present, um, I think it was Art Department. And uh, local dice. I think they were doing a back to back. Nice. Or on the same day at uh, Art Basel, at uh, Factory Town. And on that day, I'm like, yo, like, I'm burnt out. I need I need time today to at least give me a few hours. Because at the end of the, end of the night, I went home, changed, came back, continued working, right? So I took that time to just take in. But when I had time to actually enjoy, I went from being tired to getting energized. I right? see. Because when you're in that space and you're just hitting a that 808 constantly <laughs> your body's like i don't want to be here i want to just listen to some soothing music in the car because you'd be surprised like at the end of every event the first thing i do is i go on my playlist and i just listen to like chat something very soothing <laughs> the complete opposite <laughs> of what i'm listening to the whole night and i just drive home just very chill um but when you're actually able to be present like you get the energy which is what people go to the festivals for you know they they're there to feel something um so when I was able to spend that time, be behind uh, on the stage, I'm like, yo, this is dope. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you'll, you'll have moments so you could actually enjoy it and meet artists. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet Disclosure, Local Dice, Art Department. It's incredible. Um, I think the one big one that happened recently was Peggy Goo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peggy Goo was at uh, Space Park. I was able to exchange words with her. I want to I wanted a picture of Peggy so bad. <laughs> I love her music. Um, but again, due to circumstances of like COVID and all, she just wanted to be safe. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll have your moments of like uh, start being starstruck. Uh, so there's a perks of being a manager to, to this place. Yeah. I see. So you may not be able to fully enjoy the music, but there's definitely that aspect where you may be front and center with that artist. Yes. That's pretty badass. Dude, you know? Disclosure, at the end of their event, they had like a mini party. We had a like a truck that the back was converted into like a mini bar. And they were playing all the classics, like from oh, wow. James Brown to uh, the Four Elements. Like all that. I was like, yo, that's a vibe in there. <laughs> that's a vibe in there. So we went in there, took a, uh, a shot with them after I finished uh, my, my shift. And it was just like this is dope like these are like moments like you won't ever have the opportunity to just buy those him them too because disclosure is two people um and their team so it was maybe in that truck like five six people super intimate wow so it's cool it's cool that's dope yeah. that's really dope man getting getting the experience the it, it seems like you know the job like any job 
it has its stresses. Yes. You know, but the upside, it, there's plenty. You know, the, the connection you make here with your coworkers, the gratification you get from making this event happen, you know, things like that. Um, and also just meeting artists, pretty badass. Like, <laughs> it is, man. It really is. It, it all adds up to be one heck of uh, an experience within the job itself. Yeah. So that, that's phenomenal. I mean, I say it to anybody who's a musician or into music, I would definitely say that if you get the opportunity to work within the industry, do it. You know, even if it's not good pay it's worth the time just being in the space with the people who are successful just seeing on how it works being able to understand you know what makes that experience so valuable for you when you go you know it really changes your your out your perspective on on how these things go about i see wow um well this has been an amazing conversation uh this brings us to the end of our time but before we wrap up uh, where can the people find you? Uh, so my IG is liveabundant underscore. Uh, you can find me on there. I don't have any of the social medias. Um, feel free to reach out to me. I love uh, talking to anybody who has questions within the industry. If they have any, uh, if you're an artist and you're looking to have a spot, um, we do have our trippy market events and we do f- try to find local artists to perform. So if you're a local, feel free to hit us up. If you're not local, still feel, feel free to hit us up. I'll definitely try my best to help you guys out. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure, man. Really, yeah, really. Likewise, man. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. This is the Florida Vibe Directory. If you like what you saw, feel free to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll catch you on the next one. See ya, Peace man. out.